Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Dave, yet again, we're going to bring another epic B Corp entrepreneur onto the Boiling Point today. And it's been really cool, really, since we started the Boiling Point, we've had a number of B Corps, yeah? Like, oh my, geez. I mean, yeah, I've had huge exposure, but you know, for, for, for someone listening and maybe this is the first episode they've listened to and they wouldn't have had the benefit of listening to all, you know, the other B Corps, tell, tell the audience what, you know, really quickly and succinctly, yeah, 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 what for are, sure. you know, and your connection to B Corp and all that sort yeah. of thing. So I get excited when we bring other guests that are B Corp certified, mostly, mostly because I'm selfish and I like, uh, I like bragging about people who are in my little tribe. Um, so B Corp is a certification that really pushes businesses who um, are, you, you know, entrepreneurs who are using their business as a force for good, pushes them to that next level by um, certifying it through really rigid um, uh, KPIs, if you will. Uh, and, you know, and every two years is recertification and audits. Uh, so, you know, Patagonia is a great example um, of a B Corp. If they, you know, their stories are all about uh, environmentalism and activism, and that's what they're about. They and they're certified B Corp, so you can trust that that's uh, that's a fact. Um, there's a million different uh, B Corps out there, and one of them is uh, Lunapads from Vancouver, and that is who we've got on today, Suzanne Siemens, who's a friend of mine uh, from the B Corp Network. Welcome on, Suzanne. Uh, if you can just start by giving us a quick little introduction about you, and then let's riff off a little bit about why you and I both find connection in this community that we're in. Thank you. Well, it's a real pleasure to be invited to chat with you both. And um, so, yeah, a little bit about myself. So I am based here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and enjoying some lovely weather because it's still a little bit of summer here. And um, yeah, you and I connected because we are part of the B Corp community. And Luna Pads is a founding Canadian B Corp. So we were certified in 2012. And we really certified because having B Corp values around sustainability and governance and, you know, fair, fair pay for our employees and having a a sustainable supply chain was already part of our practice and getting certified was just a way to formalize that and let the world know that we value this. And it's a really important part of who we are and how we run our business. And with respect to our business, um, if you don't know of Luna Pads, we are a sustainable care, feminine care. I don't really actually like to call it feminine care anymore. I call ourselves a period care company whose purpose is to create beautiful, effective, and sustainable products for people's periods. And the products actually help celebrate, you know, just taking really good care of yourself and essentially taking the shame out of the body conversation. So we're a period care company, but really we have a fairly solid feminist activist mission of really saying that there's nothing to be ashamedful about and there's nothing to hide and that, you know, let's just face the fact that, you know, we're all here on this planet because of our reproductive cycles. And we really have a bold vision of hoping that the next generation of people just treat periods as a completely normal thing and nothing really taboo. So yeah. a, a multi-purpose function of just being shame-free and having great products that really actually help the world and help people feel better about themselves. 
Do you know, as a father of two daughters, that's so cool to hear, you know, because, and, and, and I mean, you know, there's probably a whole different conversation about why is it that way? Why can't we talk about, you know, or why is it feel uncomfortable to talk about certain things? Mm-hmm. Um, I personally don't, but, you know, it's just I, you wonder what's getting in your daughter's heads as they get older and, and you know, they're sometimes uncomfortable and, you know, and, and it's probably a normal adolescent thing, but yeah. I love the idea mm. of taking the shame out of it and just... You know, it's because it's because because it's almost. I mean, I'm probably speaking to the feminist here, but but you know, some of these you know if these products it, it was the other way around. It was men and the way kind of men show up in the world. It, they would be you know they would be validated through these, and it would be uh, you know they would be proud to have um, the same products. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but for some reason, it's it's it, yeah. That's really interesting. And so so thank you for sharing that angle. I just I'd love to. I don't know if it's appropriate to dig into it too deep, but it's, well, it's it very is fascinating. It is, and if you don't mind me jumping right into it, uh, Suzanne, as well. One of the things about yeah. your company, what you and Madeline have uh, uh, produced, is uh, a company that's really not afraid of taking risks and really standing up for your values. And the fact that you, quote unquote, uh, defeminized the marketing language of it and uh, mm-hmm. decided to start talking about period care instead of feminine hygiene or, mm-hmm. or whatnot is yeah. uh, is the fact that you, you're you honoring transgender um, uh, people as well. Do you want to just jump right into that? Because that's innovative and it's culturally sensitive. It's it's inclusive, something that is very, yeah. uh, you know, at the core of the B Corp movement. So why don't you let our listeners know what you were doing in that space? Sure. So what we were learning, uh, I mean, Madeline and I started this company almost 20 years ago. And, you know, we as feminists had a kind of our own kind of historical view of feminism. And what has been evolving as we grow as humans and become more inclusive is realizing that not everyone who has a period identifies as a woman and identifies as being feminine. And so our audience and including our team members um, on our staff were saying, you know, do you realize that, you know, calling people who are your customers women and calling it feminine hygiene, it really adds a level of gender that's completely unnecessary. And it, in fact, erases those who don't identify as women and don't identify as female. And once we were alerted to that, we thought, gee, we don't really want to do that. That's not our intention, especially as as inclusive as we want to try and be. So I will confess that it was a process for us. It's like we took time to learn it and understand it. And we also took time to kind of figure out how we're going to implement this because we didn't want to do it wrong, but we also didn't want to do it inauthentically. So I think the challenge for entrepreneurs is to really listen and to figure out how we're going to incorporate this in a way that um, feels authentic and not just kind of slap it together because it, it's the politically correct thing to do, but to really do it in a way that is authentic and, and truly values who your audience is. So we did um, take the time to completely change all our marketing messaging to make sure that it was gender neutral. And then we also evolved after that to begin changing our product line to have products that were affirming of that person's gender identity. So for example, we make underwear and our underwears were bikini style and thong style and brief style and we were recommended why don't you make a boxer brief style because that's more gender affirming for folks who are trans masculine and we said hmm, let's figure that out so we took the time to truly make a pair of underwear that were reflective of how people wanted to feel wearing them and not you know make them boxers but then have them be short cut so that they didn't actually feel like they were in in their body the way they wanted to be so it takes more time. It takes cost and money. And I think that that's part of the challenge of being an entrepreneur that lives by their values is 
you don't want to take shortcuts. You want to do it right. You want to listen. And um, I just feel for anybody who's running a business and you guys are both entrepreneurs yourself that you have to make some sacrifices, but you do it in the long run because it is in alignment with your values. You know, you're, it's um, so timely because we, we just, you know, a couple episodes ago, if you go back, you may have already listened to it, is uh, an interview we had with um, Seth Godin. And um, mm. he, you know, in, in, in his new book that, that's out, This Is Marketing, um, tagline with it is, you can't be seen until you learn, you can't be seen until you learn to see. And he talks about, you know, how you listen to your customers. And, um, and it sounds like you guys, uh, and he also talks about not taking shortcuts as well, which is, you know, brilliant. Mm-hmm. All through and, stuff. The, and the, the long tail, you know. The, yeah. The, yeah. Well, and, and so as I was listening to you, I'm thinking, um, wow, that you guys are doing it. So how, how did you go about, like, what was the process of, because, you know, you said this is, it was, there's a, I'm guessing a bit of education involved here for you guys. So, you know, how did you go about listening to this, this segment of customers that you wanted to speak to more and be more inclusive and, and open to and understand more? Like, how, what was that process, Suzanne? Well, that's a fairly great question because when you are trying to listen and understand, you also have to be careful not to put the emotional burden on those audiences to say, here, teach me and tell me what to do. It's like you actually have to do the homework. So we did the homework. We did the reading. We asked the questions without trying to be overly burdensome. And I think that that's a really important thing to consider. And we listened and then we just made prototypes and we started experimenting and saying, okay, here's the first draft. How does it fit? How does it feel? What can we do to improve? And then after we got the product nailed down, then we said, okay, now about what's the marketing message? What's the images? Who's going to model these products? And, you know, have we chose someone who is truly representative of that segment? And so it's, it's a matter of, like I said earlier, really listening and learning and admitting your mistakes and also just, again, not putting the burden on everyone else to kind of teach you, but to learn along in the process and, and learn from mistakes or just, you know, listen carefully and make sure that you are being genuine in your intentions and in your actions. I'm guessing it was probably a delicate dance, right? Because clearly you're coming at it from the right place. But, you know, you, I'm guessing you'd have to be sensitive to the fact that people don't want to feel manipulated or used in the process. Like, you know, you just want to get more product into the marketplace and you see a segment that you want to get it into. Yeah. And that's what I said earlier about authenticity and transparency, because we've seen a lot of our competitors, for example, jump into this space and, you know, do the things that you need to do. But at the end of the day, if you kind of go under the veil and you look underneath, they're really just doing it for marketing purposes and not really for the right reason. So I think that when you stand on strong values and you're consistent, that's how you stay true to being who you are. And people are so smart these days, they'll see right through it. And if you're consistent in the long run and you are willing to make adjustments and changes along the way, as opposed to, no, we're not going to offer that size because it's just not economical. It's like, no, we're offering these sizes because our values are that we are size inclusive and we're going to do it gradually as we can afford financially or as we have the technical know-how and resources, but we're going to do it because this is consistent with our values. Mm. And, you know, uh, really interesting, just rewinding a little bit when you're uh, talking about not putting all of the burden on any market segment to teach you. I I think that is so Mm -hmm. important. And, you know, where that really came true for me in a very real way was last year I started in Whistler, B.C. with the uh, Governor General's Leadership Conference. And 
my cohort did all of uh, Nunavut. So every day we're in a different Inuit community. And, you know, especially in our in our critical period of history where truth and reconciliation is, you know, so important for us to, to get right. I found myself having a lot of uh, discussions with uh, my First Nations friends trying to trying to learn. And mm-hmm. a, a few of them very gently uh, said, you know what, Greg, just start checking out our music, reading our books. Like, we're here to help, mm-hmm. certainly. Um, but there is, like, so much information for you to find. Do the effort. Put And as Seth Godin would say, mm-hmm. put in the work, you know. And um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important for all of us, uh, all of our listeners to, to pay attention to, if not just for... Uh, you know, social segmentations, but market segmentations. Do the work. Figure out what you're, yeah. who you're serving. You know, any, any, any uh, uh, comments uh, on that? Well, I think the next step, even after doing the work, too, Greg, is to actually, if you are true to wanting to make improvements in the world, use then your privilege and your voice to amplify the causes for them, because marginalized communities and audiences often don't have the mic and they don't have the resources or the platform that you may mm. have because of your privilege. And so, you know, as an example, when I do speaking engagements and I'm on a panel, like I will go out of everyone's comfort zone and say, this is what I stand for and this is why I'm doing it. And some people will get kind of squirmish and squirm in their seat, but some people will sit up in their seat and go, what did she just say? And follow up. And that's actually what happened at, at a recent conference that I attended and I was speaking on a panel and saying, you know, we're an activist brand and we do this. And they sought me out and said, we want to work with you. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, good for me. You know, you have to speak up because that's your that's your next role is not just to listen and learn and educate yourself, but to then speak on behalf of those who don't have the same voice and privilege that you may have. Now, Suzanne, I, let's just focus on privilege for a second, because it is mm-hmm. a <laughs> it's a concept as, as old as we are in as 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 humans. Um but again, it's another um, area of care that we must focus on right now and understand. And you know what? When people are having their privilege checked, if you will, it's very uncomfortable. And it's part of the learning mm-hmm. process, I believe. I've been through it myself a number of times, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, how do we address the fact that we? it's very healthy and very important for us to understand we're privileged? But like you just said, how do we use our privilege in authentic ways that is not being destructive? Because many people have used their privilege to try to help and have done more damage than not. You know, uh, I find privilege is a very sensitive topic. Love for you to give us some insight. Yeah, that's a hard one because I think that we are all on a continuum of exploring ourselves because it, it does it get very personal because if somebody checks your privilege, then you realize, oh, you know what, I may have, I may have made a misstep and that's that's hard on your own ego because nobody ever intends to cause harm but if they have they have to listen and accept and not get defensive and take the time to just be quiet I think is really mm. the lesson that I've learned and I've observed people who have been put you know have been called out and they don't stay quiet they just continue to defend their position they know get I deeper in the hole. that way <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's a very individual process, and I think that um, it's a learning process. I don't know what else to say except to just sit, listen, and do your homework. And then once you acknowledge your place of privilege is to 
like I said earlier, to help support those who aren't able to take advantage of that privilege and, and just call it out yourself and admit it and then move on because people will also learn from your example. So just do it on your own individual level to the point you're comfortable and just keep moving up the ladder and the scale of, of kind of understanding your position and, and being compassionate, I think is probably the biggest thing that I, my strongest value is I'm compassionate with both myself and with others. And if they're not ready to hear the message, then you just kind of need to wait until they are ready because sometimes they won't, they're not going to hear it if they're not ready. And are those people uh, that have privilege aren't ready sometimes? Is that what we're talking Mm -hmm. about? Yeah. 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 They're not ready to kind of appreciate your perspective and, you know, it's, it takes a lot of emotional labor to keep pointing it out when they're not ready to listen. Mm, so you yeah. have to be compassionate with yourself at the same time. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting topic, you know, because that's actually that's where I was going. Like, I mean, how do you, you know, what what's the process of checking privilege and, you know, and recognizing it? But I like the idea of being compassionate, too, you know, with others and yourself. One, mm-hmm. one, of, the, one of the points here, Suzanne, that in your bio is, um, you know, being a social entrepreneur can often mean rejecting many forms of traditional capitalist business practices. And what's an example that, that people could um, relate to? And when you say rejecting the, and we've talked about some already, but maybe something, you know, may, that, that might surprise people in terms of um, rejecting a traditional form of a business practice. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's based in a lot of your just business decisions on um, like, I mean, a traditional capitalist, you know, in maximize shareholder value perspective is make decisions that are going to improve the bottom line and improve the top line and not really care necessarily about the environment or won't care about how you treat your employees or care about sustainability and supply chain. But we we do make a lot of decisions every day that say, you know what, that's not necessarily the best decision for the bottom line, but we are going to insist that we only use organic cotton in our products. We're going to insist that um, we do an audit of our suppliers in in China if we decide to go that route. Or there, there's so many examples where, you know, a traditional business would say, no, we're going to take the shortcut. We're going to choose the most inexpensive, um, plastic, convenient route. But if you base your decisions on values around sustainability or making sure that your supply chain is is solid, then it's a trade-off that kind of goes in the face of, you know, your very traditional Mm-hmm. maximize top line and bottom line. Mm-hmm. And it's a tough thing to do because when you're trying to grow your business and you see others taking those shortcuts or making claims that are completely unsubstantiated, it, it can get very frustrating. So it's a challenge kind of sticking to your values, but it, um, you have to be able to kind of wake up and feel really good about what you're doing at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah, what What do you, um, you know, like you're, so you're very, you know, I'm just getting to know you here, but you're clearly very clear on your path and your personal values and, and corporate values and how you want to show up in the world. And, you know, this idea of activism and feminism and where, where does that, where does that stem from? Where's that, where's that coming from in your personal life? It came from a couple of life events for me. So when I was growing up and when I went through university, it was I had zero exposure, to be completely honest, to feminism and to environmental and sustainability. And when I started my career, I really learned the ropes around shareholder value and maximizing profits. And there came a couple of events where I got really sick. And then there were some decisions being made in the company that I just felt like didn't resonate with my internal compass and they kind of collided at the same time 
sort of health and consciousness collided at the same time. And it forced me to really rethink everything and ultimately ended up quitting my job because it was so this, it just didn't make any more sense. And then at the same time, I met Madeline, my business partner. So it really kind of came all at once where I was introduced to feminism. I was introduced to the sustainable movement. I was introduced to the entire community, which wasn't called B Corp back then, but, you know, social entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And my eyes were just wide open. And I said, I'm going to take the tools that I learned in business and reframe them and repurpose them to do good. And that kind of became my big passion and and kind of north star to everything that I do now. What what now when this happened? Because that's so that's a, so that's really um, thank you for sharing that. So it happened it sounds relatively quickly, and and um, were people around you you know that knew you you know prior to this kind of awakening? Was it was it hard for people to to see your new north star, or did you have any challenges related to that? Because there's so much pressure on us from people around us too, right? As entrepreneurs, not only, you know, to, to, sure. yeah. Like what was that like for you? Well, I mean, it comes in two places. One comes from family and one comes from your peers. And my family was wholeheartedly supportive because they saw how broken I was. So of course they were supportive. And then in terms of my peers, a lot of them said, wow, you're really brave. I could never do that. And others thought you're crazy because I mean, you know, I'm in, I'm in period care products. Like, well, that's, that's kind of insane and weird and crunchy and all those weird things. Yeah. And, and others just wish me well. So you get the gamut of reaction. And I think the people that have the hardest time with what you're doing are the ones that are most scared and fearful or mm. it's they're stuck too. And they, they're kind of like unable to make a move. And so they are either congratulating saying you're brave or just say you're crazy. I would never do it. <laughs> which, which is kind of another way of saying you're brave. Yeah, it totally is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're crazy, that means there's tons <laughs> of like, respect. I, you know, I get that all the time. Yeah, you're I, crazy. I, like, people are like, how do you do? How do you fly around the world? Greg? No, no, it's not even that. They're just like, you're crazy. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's, it's a compliment. Um, so, um, I understand that you and I will not be hanging out in uh, New Orleans at the Champions Retreat, and that makes me a little sad. I was telling Dave earlier that um, the legacy of our friendship started with me going for a jog early in the morning in Philadelphia with you, and I had my jeans on. Um, and That's we, right. And we, we jogged very far up to that big how, monument. How we did, did a Rockies thing, climbed up the thing. How did he, we how, did a Rocky thing. How did he do? Really? I mean, this, this is what I we made it. real, <laughs> honest. Did he we, do okay? To be fair, we... To be fair, we took an Uber back to the hotel after that. <laughs> okay. That and, was... and and they taught me about boomerangs on Instagram, and we did some boomerang boxing shots, and it was it was excellent. Um, Suzanne, thank you so much for everything that you and Madeline are doing, and uh, we have much respect. And I got to tell you two quick little things. One, and I think I've told you this before. I, I didn't know what B Corps were at all until we came to a corporate crisis um, of sorts that was really challenging our values. And I, somebody just randomly sent me um, that uh, Not Business as Usual uh, documentary that you and Madeline mm-hmm. are in. And I was like, mm-hmm. this, these are my people. And I immediately reached out to many of you who are in that film just to understand what this B Corp thing is. So you have something to do with the seed of Hemming's House becoming a B Corp, which is kind of fun. And then... I uh, just uh, did a screening of my friends, uh, the Wright uh, sisters, about their latest documentary, yeah. The Social Shift, and you're in it again. So you're, you're popping up all over the place in my world. You can't avoid me. And that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. So we're going to end off with uh, just you letting people know the best way to get a hold of you, Madeline, and the brand, and where to, where to buy the product, et cetera. 
Well, I would just recommend you look us up at lunapads.com or find us on social because we love engaging with people there. And, you know, if you're on our Instagram, we can be a bit sassy and provocative, but also just there to engage with people. So find us lunapads.com or engage with us on us on social. And buying our products, you can basically buy them online is the best place. But if you're in um, Canada, I would say all the Whole Foods across Canada, London Drugs, Western Canada, and then in the U.S., Target.com or any of your Target stores. So choose your choose your liking on how you like to shop if you want to go that route. But otherwise, anytime you want to reach out, you can probably find me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Okay, well, Suzanne, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to the next time we bump into each other. Yeah, thanks for sharing your story, Suzanne. Likewise. All right. Like, nice to meet you too, Dave. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you, Suzanne. Very cool brand. Like and when she says they're an activist brand, she's not She's not messing around. She's not messing around. Like yeah, I got and it. like I see Pat I always talk about Patagonia, but they're an activist brand as well as far as really supporting the stories of environmental activism. Uh, and Patagonia is a B Corp as well. Luna Pads is an activist uh, company, B Corp as well. Really cool to see Companies not only using their, their companies as a force for good, for social good, environmental good, but using it as a tool of activism. Oh, Incredible. Man. That's awesome. Well, no, and you, you know, listen, you like um, in the first three, probably two minutes, I went, okay, this, this, this is a person who knows what she stands for mm-hmm. and, um, and is very confident in position. And, um, you know, what a, what a, a just, you know, and, and very, and it was, you know, kind of her to share kind of where maybe the, the roots of some of it and, what she's learned and and um yeah there's just so much more to talk about there but it's just i find it fascinating kind of the space they're in and um yeah and you know it, it, it the probably one of the best thing that can happen to a man is is having daughters oh, you know I, I mean? i'm with you man. it just it just changes yeah. and i would say i would already come at it with a pretty open view but it, it takes a whole new meaning um you know this whole this well, this, this we're, we're life lifelong learners dave that's 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 the brilliance of all of this like your understanding of uh, also rate and subscribe and we will send you a big hug through the the podcast airwaves as a result all right thanks everybody four or five years ago I was like yeah I didn't even realize you know I guess I realized I was privileged but not understanding that you know living out our privilege the way so many of us do um, is actually quite harmful in not giving space to the people who don't have a voice but that's a new concept for for me today, right? A new concept for Suzanne was looking at um, kind of taking the the feminine language out of what was previously known as uh, feminine products. You know, like we're constantly learning and evolving. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's awesome. Well, and the human races, you know, I mean, it's such a exponential speed now too, mm-hmm. right? Like it just even the way we're talking has changed so much in the last decade. Yeah, yeah so it's it's fascinating. It's an exciting life, man. Um, yeah, so lunapads.com is where that's people it. should check it out. I, I think it's cool. And they have, sounds like they have, they have some real market reach too. You know, Target. Oh my gosh, US, all over the place. I mean, my God. And the other two things I want to remind, and maybe in the show notes we could put, Not Business as Usual is a film that uh, friends of mine now uh, produced. Um, and you can find that on YouTube. You can just watch it for free. Um, if you look up a company called Mirror Image, another film production company, they're out of Halifax. They've got a uh, documentary called The Social Shift. I'm not 100% sure if they've got a website on it. If so, just look for the Social Shift film uh, by the Wright uh, uh, sisters, two twins, um, who are doing amazing things in the storytelling space. Mm. And their company is called Mirror Image. But then you can actually see more about what uh, Suzanne and uh, Madeline are doing with Luna Pads in those two films. 
I'm, I'm going to check it out. All right, man. Well, uh, audience, thank you so much for listening and being inspired with us. Thank you, Greg Hemmings. I th- tried to throw you into the bus. I couldn't you do couldn't it You couldn't do fully. it today. I could, you, oh, I could, you almost I could did. have, but I, at did. the last minute, I saved you. But uh, anyways, for another time. <laughs> <laughs> Always fun, Good. brother. And uh, friends, if you can uh, share this podcast, also go to boilingpointpodcast.com. Uh, give us your email if you want to be uh, kept in, in touch and uh, know what uh, uh, upcoming uh, episodes we're, and guests we're going to have. Uh, also, rate and subscribe, and we will send you a big hug through the, the podcast airwaves as a result. Virtual hug. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.